In verse 33, Jesus says, Again, you have heard it said. It was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. As with Jesus' previous comments regarding murder, adultery, and divorce, the law of Moses had already spoken to this issue. But the scribes and the Pharisees had perverted the teaching of the law and had completely missed the spirit of it. So Jesus zeroes in on the spirit of the law in keeping with its purpose as the reflection of God's holy character. And some Christians have have taken this passage to mean that we must never make any kind of oath or, or vow. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Oaths and vows were common in both the Old and New Testaments. And the law specifically commanded God's people to take oaths in his name. Deuteronomy 6 verse 13 to 14, for example, says, You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. And so these are words that have in focus the first and second of the Ten Commandments. I'm the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. God's people are to worship and to serve him alone because he is the one true God. And we're never to create or bow down to any image in the form of a created thing because God alone is sovereign over all. If we worship or serve anyone or anything except God, we put that person or that thing in God's place and it becomes an idol. And then the third commandment follows on from this in that we mustn't take God's name in vain. Taking God's name in vain means to invoke or to call on his name lightly or emptily or profanely, to use it without humbly acknowledging God's holy character. And to call on God's name when you're making a false statement or when you have absolutely no intention whatsoever of honoring what you've said violates the third commandment. And and then to invoke the name of God over an inconsequential matter is also out of line because it's treating his name in a light and trivial way. And the Jews of Jesus' day had had an interesting twist on all of this. Just like us sometimes, they had a bit of trouble telling the truth. And so in order to guard themselves against being found guilty of swearing falsely by the name of God. It seems that they'd established this habit of swearing by everything except God. You know, they wanted to add weight uh, to their promises to make their words more credible, but they, they didn't want to incur the judgment of God by swearing something in his name that they had no intention of honoring or when it wasn't entirely true. And so they created these oaths that were bound to various parts of God's creation rather than to God himself. And as verses 34 and 35 tell us, instead of swearing by God, they swore by heaven or earth or by Jerusalem or even by their own heads. It sounds like it got a little bit silly, as if there was some kind of competition as to who could come up with the thing that carried the greatest sort of force or power. You know, they were coming up with all sorts of creative ways to sidestep their accountability to God. 
And Jesus tells them that they can't get away from their accountability to God because God is sovereign over all of these things anyway. But the heart of the matter is the heart. It has nothing to do with the formality of an oath or a vow. Jesus says that all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. It's a simple but powerful and potentially transformational statement if we want to let it be. Because if we only reserve truthfulness for oaths or vows and we neglect truthfulness the rest of the time, well, we're hypocrites. If we sign something to say we'll pay on time, uh, that we'll uphold the values of the company that we work for, or we declare that the information that we've given is truthful, but neglect truthfulness the rest of the time, in the rest of our lives, well, our hearts aren't being wholly truthful. And as Christians, we're children of God, and our honesty and our integrity and our truthfulness should be hallmarks of that identity. You know, the Pharisees had reduced righteousness to a set of behaviors and their oaths were no more reliable than a child making a promise with their fingers crossed behind their back because they were more interested in being believed than they were in being truthful. And it's about character. And I think it's sadly and frustratingly absent from many areas of public life in 2022. It has to be about godly character. You know, it might even be that, you know, on occasion, the, the Pharisee statements you know, were true. But if we give the appearance of being something we're not, we're being dishonest. And that's definitely not a godly characteristic. You know, everything that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount comes back to the reality that God sees our hearts. He sees malice and, and murder when we cling to anger. He sees adultery when we gaze lustfully at someone else who's not our spouse. The righteousness that comes from God is infinitely more about what God sees than what other people see. You know, our yes must be yes and our no must be no. You know, no oath can make that true. You know, in a sense, being believed is nothing, but being truthful, being a truthful person in the eyes of God is everything. Which all sounds great, doesn't it? You know, uh, if you look at the final verse of Matthew 5, it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, I mean, we can all just trot off and be perfect then, can't we? We can all just be truthful. It's, it's really straightforward. Of course it's not. Of course it's not straightforward. You know, we will not achieve that this side of heaven, or at least I won't. It won't be until we see him as he truly is that we will be like him. Uh, 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
And so, you know, in the meantime, God's holy character revealed to us in Jesus Christ is to be our rule of life, our standard and our benchmark. You know, and this isn't, this isn't some kind of mark that you achieve as if it's like some cosmic test. You know, there isn't a magic wand that's going to be waved that's going to make us you know, instantaneously righteous and justified with zero effort on our part. The heart of righteousness, what it means to be made right with God, is a relationship with God. You know, the, the father-son relationship in Scripture isn't some sort of cute analogy. It's the very substance of what it means to be rescued and redeemed. And you, you may have come across uh, this sculpture uh, by the artist Charlie Mackesy. It's a, a bronze sculpture of the prodigal or, or wasteful son uh, from Luke chapter 15. And it shows the son who's come back to the father after squandering everything, being embraced by the father who unconditionally welcomes him home. And it's a powerful representation of the Father heart of God for each one of us. It would be easy for us to point our finger at the Pharisees or even this wasteful son as to how foolish and ridiculous they've been and pat ourselves on the back for not being anywhere near as stupid. But the truth is we can all be just as foolish as them. You know, we, can, we can tell ourselves we're, we're failures. You know, we don't live up to other people's standards, let alone our own. We recognize that we don't spend the time with God that we might want to, which means we feel distant from him. And then the more distant we are, it, finds, it means it's harder for us to find our way back. And then the harder it is to find our way back, the greater the distance opens up between us and our church family and God because, oh, you know, they would never realize or, or, or see the struggle that I'm going through, so I better kind of keep quiet and not go to that Sunday service or that group because I'll be seen for the fraud that I feel like I am and so on and so on and so on. I wonder if that might sound familiar. I want to encourage you this morning to exercise your heart let's exercise our hearts in light of stepping in to our identity and God's call on us to be people of integrity with truthful hearts and so it'd be easy to focus on and linger on how far we've fallen or all the times we've come up short and of course our behavior matters and getting our hearts right so that they determine how we behave and think well that's so important But this morning, I pray that our focus would be the goal of godly lives through godly hearts by prioritizing our walk with Jesus. And for some of us, that might mean making minor changes. For others, it might be more of a major course correction. But whichever that might be, we'd love to support you, to pray with you. Just ask. The opportunity is here today. And the Father is waiting for you with arms wide open, ready to welcome you and to spend time with you. Nothing is more important than that. My prayer and my challenge for us this morning is this. May we be truthful 
people because we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so may God, by his grace, make us hungry and thirsty to be the people that he wants and needs us to be. May we be truthful people because God desires to recreate in us and install in us a pure heart. And I pray that we would allow him to do that work in us. May we be truthful people because we desire to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs our Saviour Jesus Christ. God, would you make us people who bring your presence into the places and the people that need you most. And may we be truthful people because we long to live out the character of Jesus who gave his life for each one of us that we might be free. Free from guilt, free from shame, free from all that tries to tear us down. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, May we be gracious and loving and truthful people because we are our Father's children. Amen.